ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Matt, we got a special guest in the Launchpad today. Man, we have David Schrader, the writer and creator of Baby Badass. David, welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. I met David, I think I met you at the Meltdown event that we had at a shop called Quest a couple months ago, right? Yeah, Ryland Grant had uh, put together a, a panel and 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 uh, had some uh, local creators invited there, and it was uh, it was a good event. It was fun, and uh, it was nice meeting you there. And we had some really fun creators there, and like you said, they were, like everyone had their books and they were selling their books. It was a really cool community kind of feeling. And as a comics fan, it was really cool for me to walk around and be like, "Damn, that book actually looks super interesting. Damn, that book actually looks like something I would read." And your thing, um, I, I'm going to let you pitch it and you sell it, but. When you started talking about it, and then later on, when I, you know, after we had the big ta- uh, panel discussion, and if you guys haven't listened to that, go listen to our our artist and creator series about the shop called Quest and the Meltdown event. But uh, when I came over and chatted with you, and I looked at some of your stuff, you gave me some of the comics and stuff. I was like, oh damn, this is hysterical. So, David, why don't you you throw us Baby Badass? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, Baby Badass is about a 33 year old super soldier trapped in the body of a baby. He uh, is like a government <laughs> experiment that went wrong and uh, they're going to pull the plug and he escapes the lab and uh, into the, the desert and he's found by this sweet, sexy waitress that takes him in. She thinks it's a real baby. Turns out he's, he's uh, you know, this, this, this insane killer. And uh, <laughs> he, he uh, pretty much wipes out this bar full of Nazi bikers and, and they escape in the desert. You find out it's the year 2043. And the future is like totally fucked up. It's like Mad Max meets Idiocracy. So it's this, you know, it's a it's a post-apocalyptic comedy, which there's not a lot of that out there. That's why I always mention Idiocracy, which I which I love. Yeah, classic. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it, it's super fun. You get you you get to play around with a lot of things because I mean, it doesn't take itself super serious, but it's kind of like the Ninja Turtles, where it's like you have this fun concept that is sort of a silly idea at first, but then you're like, well, if I kind of play it serious, it actually works out great. Well, and I, yeah, that's, that's part of, uh, sorry to interrupt. That's part of what I normally do with my filmmaking is, is I take something that's really like this kind of completely silly and and surreal idea and treat it seriously. And I think that's that, that as you see this comic develop a little more, there's more and more of that. Yeah. It's a comedy, but there's a lot of other like underlying subtext going on in it. So it's uh, it's been a fun world to play in. That's super cool, man. And, and you have some really fun like characters, like one of the ones that 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 I, I really like that I found on your website was the Absorber. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it was it was first called the Absorber. But then I found out there's some obscure Marvel character called the Absorber from like one comic in like the 60s. So I was like, oh, God damn it. So I got to add like an <laughs> ER. So he's the Absorber. And uh, so that's so just avoid any kind of conflict there. But yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the Absorber. Really cool. So he's got legs and arms kind of like a, a He-Man figure. Figure, but his head is this giant orb in this yeah. cage and the orb spins around to pick different faces or different functions. Right. And I just thought that was such a cool he, idea. He absorbs human emotion to the point where they become like pliable and harmless. Uh, but because there's so much negative human emotion that if he doesn't have this containment unit, he uh, he would die like an incredibly painful death. So so he's kind of like this uh, fun character that also likes to play chess. <laughs> <laughs> It's a really, really fun book. And it's 
I would almost say I've read at least the first two issues, I think, and the art is like almost like Bisley-esque, where it's like super hyped up, violent, and detailed. So like there, you mentioned that he wipes out a bar of, of Nazi bikers, and he does indeed wipe out an entire bar of Nazi bikers. It's, I don't know in how de- many, like eight detail, or nine pages. Right, yeah. Lots of detail with that. Like, it's I think fun. He, it's really fun. Like you, It's one of those books that you read the page. And then you spend another five minutes on that page just looking over the art and looking over, you know, the details and the nuances and stuff. And there's a lot of little nuggets in there for for fans of other genres and fans of other books and other movies and stuff. It's really it, it, it's a good it's a good ride. Yeah. And I got to give credit, obviously, like my co-creator is Christian Horn. He, he also has a podcast called Part Time Fanboy. He's really cool. And we came up with the concept back in like 2006 and we're just kind of playing around with it. And eventually he did some some artwork, but he just couldn't commit to it, uh, you know, long term. So we got Tim Larson to do the art and he is very detailed. His stuff reminds me a little bit of like um, a little bit like R. Crumb meets Silver Age comics. Like he's got this detail that, that goes back into the panels. He's great. He did the first series, the first volume. And now we have a really good artist, too, for volume two. So we are changing artists for the next volume. And Andy Taylor, who did Bigfoot, sort of the Earth Man uh, for Action Lab, is, is taking over. And he's got some amazing stuff coming up. And I think Very you, cool. you showed me some of some of that art for, for the next book at yeah. one of our, our last cons. Because now we you and I have kind of become like con friends where we keep bumping yeah. into each other every time. If you guys have ever walked past David's table, you'll know because it's got a a little baby with a, a German helmet on, <laughs> on his table right, every time. Right. But yeah, that's, you always have such cool stuff at the table and I'm really excited to see what the next volume looks like. It looks like it's a different sort of art, but it's a nice transition. So it still is in the same theme and still will be in the same world. So I think it, yeah. both artists really kind of got where you were going with that. Yeah. And Andy, like he's kind of almost like an animation style, which I think is really cool. It's different, but it totally fits. Like, and it takes a while. Sometimes with artists, it, it's hard to find something that kind of fits the book. And I thought Tim initially with his stuff, it was very grindhouse. So a lot of people describe it as like this grindhouse action adventure and sci-fi grindhouse, which is maybe its own thing, but yeah, kind uh, of a heavy metal vibe almost. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Especially issue two. And, and what I tried to do is, is give him direction from issue one, two, and three to be different from, from one to the other. And the third issue actually has more of a, uh, um, like a graphic novel feel to it. There's definitely more information and a little denser. And I, I think I got some blowback on that. But part of it is because I had to kind of t- tell the whole first arc in three issues, which I think we did. Um, but it would have been nice to do four. It just, uh, it, it took a long time, put it that way. This this baby took a long time to birth. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a woman would have done it better. Like we're not used to that kind of stuff. Probably, huh? yeah. Yeah, the, ma- the male birthing process is is a little messy. <laughs> well, you know, you have this, this is such a fun idea. It's definitely like right up me and Aaron's, you know, taste for movies and comic books. Right. What kind of stuff do you read? What kind of stuff do you watch that, that, you know, drops the seeds for this kind of story and this kind of universe in your mind? Well, it's interesting because um, like growing up, I was so into the classics as far as like just Bugs Bunny cartoons, uh, specifically Bugs Bunny and Daffy and, and and all that. And and there's three stooges, you know, like growing up, you just get like inundated with this stuff. I'm, I'm older than you guys. A lot of that started to just kind of transition to when I was younger, I'd watch Mel Brooks movies and things like that. Like uh, it's mostly comedy. Uh, I did. Wa- I did read comics. My older brothers read comics and, you know, um, 
I, I got into it a little bit, but, but eventually I was reading like Charlie Brown books and stuff like that. So mm. a lot of that, like depressing and <laughs> depressing childhood, uh, comic strips, that was, that was kind of my thing. And as far as the violence goes, uh, it must've come from the three stooges and eventually later, maybe itchy and scratchy cartoons. Cause it's got a little bit of that over the top feel to it. <laughs> That's awesome. Since the first arc of baby badass is already out, where can people find that? If somebody's interested in, in looking that up. You can still get it at comic shops. It's uh, Action Lab Danger Zone uh, published it. So it's pretty much everywhere. But you can get the the trade paperback on Amazon or Google Books or Barnes & Noble. I was actually in the Barnes & Noble Marina Del Rey and came across it. And I was like, this is pretty cool. It's actually on the shelf. That's big time, <laughs> you know? man. You're a big deal, yeah, man. Yeah, well, no, it, I mean, the whole thing is like I wanted the book to be out. Uh, you know, I could have gone the Kickstarter route. And that's what's interesting that we're, we are doing a Kickstarter for this first issue of Volume 2 because the first uh, time around... I just didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be like, hey, I've never done a comic before. I mean, I've, I'm a filmmaker and a writer, but I've never done a comic. And I didn't want to just be like, hey, here's this comic idea that me and Kristen have and, and, and give us money. So it was great to find a publisher. And so the whole idea was to get it out there in the marketplace and to see it everywhere is pretty cool. Like I go on eBay now and, you know, you see the the Chuck Perez cover, which is the, the Coppertone cover that, that sold out. And, you know, people are selling it for like $15, $75. And it's kind of fun. Wow. To see. Not that that means anything, but it's just kind of neat to see it. it out there and uh, yeah i would say if you want to get it it's on comiXology it's on amazon but on your comic shops can still order it too that's super cool man yeah i i, I read it on comiXology uh, really enjoyed that and yeah it's it's super cool to see it's validating man it means it's something that you care about and something you put a lot of work and time into is being enjoyed by somebody else and i think that that's just i mean that's such a cool feeling i love it when i see something that you know no matter how small it was when you see that somewhere you're like it feels good. So, you know, congrats on that. But you right. said you've got this next, you have this next volume coming out. You're working on it. How many issues is this next volume going to be? I believe it's going to be a three issue miniseries again. And I, I, I've written it so we can tell this arc in three issues. Uh, it may be maybe less pages per issue, maybe more. It depends. We'll see. But um, I, I work in a, a different different way. I wouldn't recommend it to any other writer. Um, <laughs> I do, it's very piecemeal and I take a long time and, and I go back and forth on stuff. Um, when me and Kristen came up with the idea in 2006, that's how long this gestation period was. Um, you know, I, I just wouldn't let it go because I really felt like the idea itself, this, this baby, and and there's a backstory between Joey, the, the main character and, and this baby that you'll find out later. And it's really interesting, but I just thought there was something to it. And, and we actually are in, in talks with a really like good producer right now to turn into an animated series. I can't talk too much about it because we're, you know, still in the process of development, but it's, it's pretty exciting because I, I feel like this idea, in fact, me and Kristen pitched it to spike comedy central and uh, adult swim back like seven years ago. This is before oh, wow. it was a comic. So yeah. it was, it was actually pitched as a show idea and they were really interested. It's just there at the time there wasn't like a slot for it and it kind of petered out, but now the landscape has changed. There's so many places that you can take this. And now that it's actually a, a intellectual property that you can turn into something that, that means something these days for some reason, like, and that's why I was insistent that we have a, a physical issue. So I did the self-published issue, uh, number one, because I wanted to have that. And that's where we launched the Long Beach Comic Con back in 2015. And from then, Jason Martin at Action Lab Danger Zone saw it. He really saw the potential for it. And, uh, and, and you know, it took another two and a half, three years to get the other issues done. So it was from 2006 to 2018 is when we finally actually were published. Well, hey, man, putting in the work and it shows because, the uh, you know, the product 
you can tell when stuff's rushed and you can tell when, uh, you know, a comic book, it seems like they've run out of time or ran out of story. So here's a few extra pictures, a few extra panels. And, and you can tell that you, you haven't done that. You've really put, put the, the care into every panel and every page to know that it's what you want your audience to see. And, you know, the art backs that up as well. Thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. It took a long time. And it, I know it sounds silly for this comic about a killer baby to like take a long time, but, <laughs> but I, like I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. I'm sure we can get into that later, but I, I love just the layout of that world. So I wanted to do something. And again, it sounds silly, but if, if you build the, the base and you actually start layering stuff like you can have this whole world. And uh, I think we've created a fun world. And that's the thing. It's a great landscape and, and a post-apocalyptic world can be so generic. But when you pepper it with things that make it interesting and pepper it right. with things like like the absorber, that is a <laughs> right. very inter- like that, that that character alone could fit into any mythoses and and locations that have been created in sci fi and comic books. But, you know, you, you have to build a rich environment and right. then toss toss your your violent baby into it and see yeah. what happens <laughs> so you're talking about, and, and you're just talking about the way underground which is the the resistance in this future world where they literally are like miles underground and i always describe it to some people as like the above ground is the star world's world of like it's dry and chaos and and violent and, and below ground is like star trek where it's very cool calm somewhat ineffective but like their heart's in the right place so that's the push the push and pull of the whole uh kind of feel of the story it's funny because you're right like you, you know and i think this is what makes your book more interesting than the book next to it is you know a killer baby is a really fun and funny concept but that's only going to take you so far as a concept but you really have put the work in you know you really have thought about i mean going so far as like story structure and stuff like that but then also you know, a theme between the above ground and underground, as well as like an entire world building. I mean, I guess two world buildings, right? You have above ground, you have underground, like that kind of stuff. If you if you do that stuff right, I feel like your reader often doesn't recognize it consciously. But I feel right. like you've done it right. So when you read when you read your book, it's not like, oh, wow, he really did a great job building. You don't feel like that. You're just like, wow, I'm on issue five or six already. And this is amazing. And I'm having a great right. time. And I can't wait to read more of it. And I feel like that really is what Baby Badass is. So Hats off to you, man. Keep it up. I appreciate it. It really slowly kind of reveals itself to the reader um, and it's masked in comedy. But again, in this world is, you know, the future, an asteroid hit uh, Eos and uh, it pretty much uh, destroyed like half the (laughs) it pretty much destroyed like, you know, uh, most of the world, like 80 percent of the population is just gone, you know, and and everyone is kind of coalesced in, in each continent. So there's a 1% of now the 10%. So with the new series that's coming out, can you pitch where can people find your Kickstarter and when can they see the next series of Baby Badass? Yes, the Kickstarter, and this is very important to everyone out there. I want to stress the Kickstarter will be starting on March 18th. I initially had said, you know, beware the Ides of March and it's going to be the 15th, but uh, <laughs> production of the video. Actually, we did a, we did a short video um filming the other like last weekend and uh, it was really fun because i wanted to up the game a little bit in these kickstarter videos a lot of times it's just a guy you know in, in his office like with his camera phone and that's fine but i wanted to actually incorporate joey and the baby and this post-apocalyptic world into uh in into the the video itself and talk about it so the kickstarter will start on the 18th it's basically a, an advanced look at volume two so people will get the first issue of volume two and it's called baby badass returns is the official title and they'll get that six months maybe before volume two actually comes out wow it's a way for people to maybe to to get a taste of what volume two will be early 
and kind of thank you uh, to the supporters that have, have you know, watched this uh, unfold. And let me ask you this. For people who are listening to this who have not jumped on Volume 1 yet, are they going to be lost when they jump into Volume 2 or they have to go back and get Volume 1 just to figure out? The first tier of the Kickstarter is like a digital tier and, and you also get a digital copy of the first three issues. Nice. So, so you smart. get caught up pretty easy. It's not that long. Like I said, it's only three issues. So you really have no excuse not to like go back three issues, one trade paperback and you're caught up. Absolutely. So on the Launchpad podcast, we like to do a little segment called What Have You Been Watching? And since we have a guest, you, Mr. David Schrader, will you let us know what have you been watching? Uh, yes, I have been watching a lot of things and we're all over the place. I have, I'm watching Game of Thrones for the third time so we can like run through the entire thing to, to get up to the, you know, to the, uh, the final the final episodes and um oh, i don't know if i'm gonna be able to handle it man it's gonna be too much uh, have you watched it twice like we you know we me and my wife watched it as it aired and that was hard like week to week and then year to year or two years every in between in fact i think game of thrones leads the the world and and people saying wait who is that guy again yeah. like who, who was Who's that guy again? Like when you're watching it a year in between and, and they do a good job of catching up. But when you binge it, especially the second time and especially after watching uh, or reading the books, I'm starting, I'm like halfway through all the books. It's like a whole rich experience that I, I, I'm really enjoying again. Wait, you're double fisting Game of Thrones. You got a book in one hand and Netflix or whatever yeah, on the other. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, and, fact, and we did a short film a while ago called Reading Game of Thrones. It's on our, our, our channel, Highbrow. And it's basically like, you know, you've watched Game of Thrones You've watched other people watch Game of Thrones because there's all those videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, watch, now watch what it's like to see someone read Game of Thrones. It all was was just like this guy reading all the books and cross-referencing. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I think it's great. I think it's the best thing it's ever been on television. I'm not like a fantasy guy or anything, but there's something about the escapism of that that is unparalleled. Well, and it just it's so intense. Like they bring up so many different things so many aspects so many characters so many rich again rich environment that you've been able to plop these things in now matt i know matt is not a game i was of just gonna guy. get in uh, Rumi, how many no, times wait. do you think you've watched it you've never I've, you've never watched it i yeah, watched the first two seasons start to finish okay. and d- from the get-go did not care now when i say that <laughs> that whole genre is not my deal like the coolest fucking dragon movie or dragon book or whatever is just never been my deal i'm definitely not a sword and sandals kind of guy plus uh i'm pretty busy with my other nerd stuff so i have so much other nerd sci-fi horror comic book bullshit that like i don't have time for castles <laughs> fair. Fair, fair enough but, but uh, you're you know what totally it is? wrong it's also exactly what you said david where it's like Who's that guy? Why is that guy important? I got to remember that, like, what is this group of people's, you know, goal? What are their motivations? And the second season, there was so much of that. And I felt like right when I was getting into a storyline, they jumped to a different one. And when it came back around to it, I was like, I don't even really care about them anymore. And I'm not, it's interesting because I'm not, it's not the show's fault. It's my fault. I'm just not into it. So it's not that it's a bad show. It's not that it's not interesting. It is. I just personally don't care. Right. Well, someday when you're in a nursing home or something, check back in on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, try to pick up from season three and, and finish it and see what you think. But I hear what you're saying. Look, some some things just aren't for pe- uh, you know certain people. Some people don't like it. You know, I es- get it. Um, essentially, I'm just too cool. You fucking dorks are just going to nerd <laughs> right. out about it. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, Aaron, you're totally caught up. And oh, I'm so it. into it, man. I think the Battle of the Bastards is one of the greatest 
battles we've ever seen put on on television. So you say that, and I'm immediately imagining it's like old dirty bastard fighting fat bastard. (laughs) It's so much better than that. But uh, uh, well, apparently this new season, they're like each episode is like a two hour movie. Like it's going to be intense. That's they're going to finish big. I'm watching uh, real quick. I'm watching the end of the fucking world. Um, How is that? it's good. It's also happening in real life, but I'm talking about the show. It's, it's good. It's, it's the, kind of a, that, the quirky, dry British humor, but um, it is what it is. Let's see. I, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, usually it's, it's watching. Unfortunately, it's watching. I am reading yeah. some, uh, some stuff. Again, the Game of Thrones books takes up a lot of time. It's got an anthology. Do you know Russell Nolte? Not familiar. No. He puts together a bunch of anthologies, and uh, uh, he did a, the... Cthulhu. Is that how you say it? It's hard to spell Cthulhu. Cthulhu, right? Cthulhu is hard to spell. It's sometimes hard to say, too. But uh, it's basically a Lovecraft anthology. And my friend Clay Adams, who runs Fried Comics, and he has a book called Pregnant Bitches of War, PBOW. That's great. (laughs) And uh, it's a really good book. Um, But he did uh, one of the anthologies. So I'm reading that now. That was a Kickstarter. And... um, Again, in between the Game of Thrones books, it's kind of hard, but I'm, I'm fitting stuff in. Me and my wife like binged tons of stuff recently, like Catastrophe. Uh, I'm like halfway through Man in the High Castle. I started Umbrella Academy. I don't know if you guys are watching no, that. No, but how but... I'm thi- I'm, I'm, I was on the cuff the other night. I started a different show instead, but I was about to start that. Is it is right. it worth it? it uh, you know, I never read the, the book. I never mm-hmm. read the comic. Um, it, it's very stylized. It, it definitely reminds me of uh, a cross between, obviously, like X-Men or uh, what's the, the King... The Kings, the Kingsman. Yeah. Uh, Kingsman. Yeah. 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 So it kind of has that stylized look and uh, it's interesting. I'm going to give it a, sh- a shot, but I just haven't had a ton of time. Like everything's just catching up. Like we're, we're trying to get through um, what else? Like we finished uh, money heist, which is a Spanish show on Netflix because my wife's mom was here and we're trying to find stuff in Spanish. Um, okay. <laughs> American Vandal. I'm about halfway through the the second season. That's I good, love American you know, Vandal. Yeah, yeah that was stuff. hysterical. And I haven't started Punisher two yet, but uh, I, I I love the first season, so I want to finish that. I gotta say, <laughs> I saw on your. That has a lot of opinions, but <laughs> you know, Punisher is like one Punisher? of them. Oh my god. The Punisher, really? the, uh, the first one I couldn't get. The Punisher is one of my favorite comic book characters. I'll put the caveat of when he's right. written correctly. But that right. the first show, it was a lot of talking and prepping. Yeah, but, and, but did you finish the whole season? Because yeah. so, it picks up. Really? The last two episodes uh, had a lot of punishing, but there should be punishing <laughs> in every episode. See, that's why you like Baby Badass. There's a lot of punishing. Well, Although you know what it is? Been- it's like when, it, when you pick up a book called Baby Badass and when you, <laughs> right. when you sell it how you sell it, where you say, you know, it's a, you know, a, a warrior trapped in a baby's body, you have an expectation. When you tell me what the Punisher is about, I don't want to know about his PTSD. Yes, it's a great place for that and it makes total sense. But like, I'm not looking for a heartfelt story about this guy who's dealing with shit. That's not what the Punisher, in my opinion, is supposed to be about. The Punisher knows how to... F- deal with his stuff you well, know we you as rational people part. don't think he's dealing with it correctly but that's what he's supposed to be doing man i don't know the comic that well so the the difference i'm imagining is they feel they need to flesh this stuff out Correct. and have it be more realistic like I, I i've heard the same thing with walking dead uh my friend christian he doesn't he doesn't love, love the series but he he loves the book so he sent me the the book and i thought it was the opposite i thought the book was kind of you know, kind of just kind of glossed over things and moved on to the next yeah. panel and it's over. Whereas the show, they, they have to get into the, the humanity of it and like, you know, drag things out. I don't want to say drag things out, but 
you know, drag them along, pull them along a little bit longer. So they fill, they fill the, the void kind of. Sure. Um, and you know, when you read a book like the Punisher, <laughs> I've read the Punisher for, let's just say eight years, you know, and I've read hundreds of issues. So when I go into either a TV show or a mo- or a movie or a comic about the Punisher, I already have that much backstory already in my head. Whereas, you know, the yeah. average person watching a Netflix or whatever might not know that much about the Punisher. So that, that character development that I've had over the course of eight years and hundreds of issues, that makes sense that I already have that. And I don't want to see it again, especially if it's, you know, let's just say it's two hours time of an eight hour series. That's too much time to be worrying about his PTSD, blah, blah, blah. So you're a purist. Well, yeah, I mean, for (laughs) certain stuff. Yes, he is. (laughs) Yeah. If I have to label it, but yeah, no. And what, again, this is almost like what I was saying about game of Thrones for certain things. Like Punisher was not a bad show. Punisher did not do a bad job. It just, to me, was a terrible Punisher show. It was a fine show. It could have been called Vigilante Man or a guy who shoots a couple people because he's kind of pissed off, but it's not the Punisher. I just optioned those titles, Vigilante Man. As long as there's not a lot of dialogue, David, I just want shooting. Right. Well, it's funny you say that because in Baby Badass 2, there is a section where there's exposition. And, you know, in the first in the first volume, we kind of made fun of uh, a few of those uh, moments where he's like, yeah, it took me like nine deleted panels to ride this goddamn thing. And we was riding the squirrels, which is the these the squirrel horse hybrids. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but in this one, like there's so much exposition that he, he just can't take it anymore. And he basically addresses it in a violent way. Uh, <laughs> But getting back to the show, what about Daredevil? Like, did you feel the same way about how they did Daredevil? No, and I like Daredevil. I like even more than Punisher. And you could, I think, make a good argument that he's a much more complex and layered character. Again, I do feel the same problems that I have with it are there, but not as glaring, not as much. And it makes more sense because, again, Daredevil Daredevil isn't about one thing, either the character or the storyline. Punisher, in my mind, should be about one thing. Um, I've compared him recently to Jaws. Like, you don't need to know about Jaws. You don't need to know why Jaws is Jaws. He's just this thing. And I think, in my opinion, that's when Punisher is the best. Now, if I want to, you know, a story like Daredevil has other shit. Like, Daredevil is torn sometimes, and Daredevil has different motivations and, uh, you know, conflicting and ironies and stuff like that. Yeah, you could tell me more about that shit. And um, usually it's more interesting in that show. Although I do feel that Marvel, as a as a television series or line, uh, mm-hmm. a bunch of series is very long winded. They need to cut, you know, if they cut 20 minutes right. out of every episode, it would be way better. Name a show 20 minutes. It would be even better. That. I think someone said that like 10 episodes would be better than 13, I guess. Yeah. You I know? think that would make sense. Uh, that's, that's kind of interesting. You say that. So basically like Topher Grace and Jeff Yorks could do a, Supercut of season one of Punisher. That would be perfect for you. Like, <laughs> That'd be the only, like, the only like, good thing Topher Grace ever did. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> he does. He does a, a lot of these. Well, a friend of mine, Jeff Yorks, is the editor that just did that Star Wars supercut. Oh yeah, and so he gets all the credit for doing it. But, oh nice. But, uh, but Jeff is an amazing editor. I actually want to have him work on a couple of our ideas. But anyhow, um, you know, to each their own. Matt. Well, while we're talking yeah. about superhero <laughs> shows, Dave, um, yes. I saw on your Facebook that I think it was last night you were watching a pretty interesting superhero or superheroine show. Is that true? Wonder Woman, the the old school Wonder Woman. As a kid, I, I watched that. And, yeah, we and all did. Tell us a little about last night's episode. 
<laughs> I only caught part of it, but it was like it was this frumpy guy, and he's a character actor that I've recognized from other things. And he was I, again, I turned it on because the classic Linda Carter in that outfit. She's just so beautiful and like strong, and like it's just so iconic. You can't take your eyes off it, you know. So she's got, she's in there, and then it cuts to fucking Steve and like all, all this other ridiculous <laughs> stuff in a warehouse, and all these guys in seventies suits, and it just looked horrible. But then. There's a sequence where she's on top of like the, this bus and then she jumps down and she rescues this guy that you, it turns out he's a he's a he's like a leprechaun <laughs> and he speaks like a leprechaun. But he looks like kind of looks like like Carol O'Connor, like Archie Bunker in a frumpy suit meets Columbo. And he's like, ah, what do you do that for? And she's like, I just saved your life. And he's like, uh, bah, interfering women. <laughs> and she has this book, like, I was like, man, that's kind of, that's kind of uh, it in a nutshell, isn't it? She basically saves his life and she's, and he's bitching about it. But yeah, it turns out he's a leprechaun. He had gold. I, I didn't really follow the rest of the story. Do you have to, <laughs> but, uh, but, but her, her as wonder woman is just, just prime. And I, you know, of course I love the new wonder woman as well. Those two, uh, I wish they could have fit her in, in the new wonder woman, like as a, as a cameo somehow. Yeah. Wouldn't that have been awesome? Like, I really think that when, especially when you're doing this new stuff that has such a rich backstory, like, wh- why, why not? Like, wh- what's the harm in it? She's so supportive too. Like, she's awesome. Like, Linda Carter is awesome. She's, a, I think, she's an ambassador for the UN and um, and Gal uh, Gadot is as well. So, like, those two together, she could just be in the background in a short scene or something, and it would be nice. Uh, maybe they, maybe they'll do it for for Wonder Woman eighty four. I don't know, but. Uh, yeah. But yeah, though, she's she's awesome. Like I was actually in Vegas not that long ago and was playing a, a Wonder Woman a slot machine. And it was the classic <laughs> Linda Carter Wonder Woman. And I, even if I was losing, I was like, I feel still I, I feel like I'm winning. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm a big fan. I am a big fan of of the Daredevil. And, and even though the Punisher, I am in agreement with Matt about the Punisher. I think I saw some some more benefits of the show. I liked the Punisher in Daredevil season two the most. I thought that was yes. the best use of him because you didn't flesh him out too much. And uh, the Punisher show, I think, made it more palpable for a grander audience, which I can appreciate that in a sense where mm-hmm. hopefully some people go, well, let me see where this guy came from. They find the comic books and go, wow, these are amazing and read some of that Punisher Max Kitchen Irish type stuff. But you know, the show at least is bringing these ideas to a bigger audience. And when my cousin who doesn't care about comic books at all, she goes, man, the Punisher's an awesome show. I know they're doing something right. So at least they're doing that. And John Berthall just kills it as the Punisher. He does a great job in, in that role and brings a lot of layers to that. But yeah, I didn't, since, I didn't know he was in walking dead until I started, you know, walking, uh, walking well. dead later. I was like, Oh, it's uh, the Punisher Shane, here. Man, yeah. Shane, it was he was always right for the most part. Like and, yes. and I just read this whole thing. Now that I'm watching Walking Dead, I'm like, people are all of Rick's ideas are not very good ideas. Like they're like, why are they doing this? This this luring the zombie away thing that I just I just watched. I'm like, why are they doing this? It makes no sense. But I guess oh, that's part of the crazy. fun of it. It's like another terrible idea that's gonna get everyone in trouble. Yeah, I mean that's the whole point of of the series is to get you to yell at the TV screen. I mean that that's best part of good horror movies is when you're screaming at the screen, "Don't go in there! Don't go in there! Why are you doing that?" Right. Since this is what you've been watching, Rumi, let me know what you've been watching. What do you got? Yeah, going dude, on, I got a surprising one for you, and I'm interesting to hear if you've seen it. And Dave, I'll throw it to you as well. I watched last night the 2018 Eli Roth reboot of Death Wish. Have you guys seen that? Oh, Bruce With Willis. Bruce Willis, yeah. Yeah, I did not see it. I don't remember liking much that Eli Roth has done outside of 
uh, the original Cabin Fever, which I love, and Rumi, you hate, right? <laughs> how, are we, how are we fucking friends sometimes? I have no clue where you come from. But Cabin, Cabin Fever I loved, and pretty much everything he does, I think he's like a... I mean, I'm I'm overgeneralized, but I think he's a, a cheap knockoff Tarantino wannabe sometimes. There, but there you go. When I saw the trailer for Death Wish, I was like, "Ugh, that's just gonna be <laughs> Eli Roth all over the place." And the other night, I'm I don't know if you guys can hear it. I'm sick as fuck, and I spent the last two days just in bed, not getting out of bed. And it was on Hulu, and I was like, "I'll give it a shot." And I gotta tell you, it is in no way great, but it was okay. not the Eli Roth trash I was afraid it was gonna be. Had one or two little like Chekhov's guns moments where huh, Chekhov's gun, gun, gun. It had like a Chekhov's gun moment where you're like, okay, that was a good payoff. The action scenes were pretty cool. I immediately it immediately made me think of I just finished reading the comic series Kill or Be Killed, which was Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Uh-huh. It was very much like that. And the whole time I'm watching it, I was like, this could be a decent beginning of like this could be a Punisher Year One type movie. Nothing in it at all blew me away. There was nothing that makes it better than the movie next to it. But you're selling it really hard. <laughs> How about the original Death Wish? No, the original, because the original has heart, and I think it's very hard to make a reboot that has heart. Um, and it was, it was, it, there was a couple differences from the original. I mean, the, the, the time frame that the original came out when was, is so crucial to understanding and appreciating that movie fully, I think. And then you got Charles Bronson, and while Bruce Willis is Bruce Willis, Charles Bronson is Charles Bronson. Right. But it's... Uh, <sighs> It's worth a watch if you just want to watch a shoot 'em up. I would give it that. And I did not think I was going to give it that at all. I thought it was going to be like, ugh, let me pull my iPad over and look at stuff on eBay <laughs> while I'm watching this because it's boring. It was not. I was not worried about the characters. I was not emotionally invested at all. But again, did it you really as... need to be in Death Wish? <laughs> it's funny you say Charles Bronson because me and my friend uh, Kenny Messer, a long time ago, we read a script called Still Cannibal Running. And it. <laughs> And this was right after I still know what you did last summer. And, and we just, we always had this thing about cannibal run and stroker ACE and, and uh, uh, some of the, the, some of the really bad Burt Reynolds movies, even though as a kids, we thought they were good. Sure. It turns out they're not good, but so cannibal run, especially was just so singularly kind of ridiculous. <laughs> so we wrote, we wrote a thing called still cannibal running and in still cannibal running, Bill Gates puts up the money for this contest to go from Seattle. This time it's diagonal. <laughs> From Seattle to Miami, <laughs> and then he hires Charles Bronson to like kill all the other cannibalers, you know. And that's said, awesome. Yeah, it was just it was it was in uh, Tony Danza's in it, and they they've got the 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 orangutan that that like locks them in the back of an ice cream truck and then drives them off a cliff. Like it's very dark. Like we took oh, cannibal run Bronson style. We, we made a seriously dark, twisted, fucked up cannibal run. It's called Still Cannibal Running. In fact, it got coverage at Sony. And the coverage came back to like, this is just a, a mean spirited send up. And we're like, yes, that's, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Do you want to buy it? Going for. <laughs> that's super funny. I'd watch the shit out of that. Yeah, I have a lot of unproduced screenplays. Trust me. I have some that made it and then others that uh, did not. But that was one that that will always be in my uh, hold a special place in my heart. I would Still watch the shit right. out of that. <laughs> At some point we thought uh, like uh, Norm McDonald could do his impression of Burt Reynolds. Like playing the part and and then just do like spoofs of the the celebrities that would so you could good. do like a you could do like a low budget version of cannibal run with people playing celebrities playing other parts and that would be yeah, it's kind of it's kind of out there uh, me and kenny have done some some crazy uh <laughs> scripts in the past but that that stands out so so matt at the end of the day death wish you say worth watching but not special i'll give it a c plus to b minus like 
I didn't. I had movies on my queue that I've been meaning to watch, but I felt like ass. So I was like, if I fall asleep during that, it's going to ruin the flow of the movie. But if I fall asleep during Death Wish, I'm not going to be worried about it. It also was not requiring a lot of my uh, brain power to to start up, you know. And I was in the mood for an action movie, and it is. It's not like like when people say what's a good action movie, John Wick, like contemporary action. John Wick just kicks so much ass so hard. The original Taken kicks so much ass so hard. This is not that, but it's fun. I'm not going to buy it, but it's worth watching. Like I would watch it with you if you were like, hey, I haven't watched it. You want to check it out? I'd be like, yeah, that would be fun to watch. It's, it was a good time and it had it had its moments and it, it wasn't much different from the original, but it didn't stray too far to make it feel weird that it was called Death Wish. It gets a watch it if you have nothing else to watch. Hey, <laughs> we all called, need some of those. Could have been called Still Death Wishing. <laughs> I want to watch that. Yeah, you can just apply that to pretty much any movie. <laughs> what about you, Rooms? You been watching anything? I've been reading a lot lately. I have been watching wait some a things, minute. but yeah, yeah. like wait, oh, like with what? pictures or no pictures? Both. <laughs> I can do both. <laughs> both. Nothing wrong I with mean, that. So. so so because we are doing currently doing our Nightfall Full Moon series, I bought this giant hardback omnibus of uh, Nightfall. So mm-hmm. I've been rereading that. And dude, I had no idea all this nostalgia would come back to me of like me sitting in my buddy Dimitri's yeah. bedroom reading comic books that he got from the comic shop as the event, as Nightfall was happening. Going back and reading the hardback is giving me all these moments where I'm like, man, I remember this page. I remember this picture. I remember being like, damn, Batman's in trouble now. But like, this book is massive. I mean, it's like a, like two Game of Thrones books put together big. Is it, uh, but is it it's a classic. volume? Is it volume one or volume two or volume three? Or is it just called Nightfall Omnibus? It's just called Nightfall, but there's nights, Nightfall, Night Watch, and Night End. Night's End. Is that what it is? Nightfall. But this is literally him Night's breaking end, his back, end. his him breaking his back. Right. Uh, Azrael being developed, and it ends with the new Azrael suit sort of being exposed. Because I think they have, I think DC recently, within the last five years, has put out three omnibuses to get from the yeah. beginning to the end of that thing. So is this one of those three volumes you're saying? Because oh, because yes. it ends with the it, Azrael suit. So yeah, I think, it's, I think it's the huge. Azrael suit yeah. is the second one, and then I think the third one is Bruce Wayne coming back as Batman. Yeah, but they just as much as I love DC, they put out the same. They keep releasing the same trades over and over again, and then I'm like, I'm gonna let you get your shit sorted out, and then I'll buy the biggest ones when you're done releasing a bunch of little ones. This Um, is a big one. It's it's worth it. I'm really digging it. It's a lot of fun, right? And you know, friends of the show, Nightfall stuff, all the Nightfall guys, the artists and the 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 writers. There is so much cool stuff there and, and nostalgia. You're Like you said, whenever I flip through, it's nostalgia like crazy. David, did you read any of that shit when Batman got his back broke? I did not. So I was just listening and learning from you guys right there. Oh, it's it's something else for sure. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. It's a hardcover omnibus that we were saying. Yeah, and this was like in the 90s, mid-90s, like the biggest event for DC. You know how like every now and then Marvel do like Civil War or whatever it is? Um, some massive comic crossover event. Well, this was Batman's version of that, and it's where Bruce Wayne, the original Batman, gets his back broken by Bane, and yeah. somebody else takes over as Batman. And it's this just massive issue, uh, issue after issue. And like basically, Bane shows up, and he's like, "Well, I could just show up and kill Batman. I could do it easily if I wanted to, but I'm going to ruin Batman." So he exhausts Batman, and then blows up Arkham Asylum, and releases all the villains back into 
Gotham and Batman gets overworked, exhausted, and then Bane shows up at his low point and just breaks it. Just breaks him. Which I always it's thought awesome. was like great planning, but also a cheap shot. Like if your whole thing <laughs> yeah. is you want to be taken down the Batman, don't send in a thousand people first. Like it is great planning, but and I guess it shows you are the ultimate statistician between the two of you, I guess. But um it's a fun series and I, I haven't I'm trying to think if I've ever read start to finish all the tangential stuff. I've done I've definitely done a bunch of it. And at least I remember a lot of it is interesting. Like there's a whole side plot with Scarface. There's a whole side plot with Joker that is not really important even to the, you know, to the mainstream plot, but at least feels interesting. Whereas when you read like Marvel Civil War, you have like fucking how the Civil War affected like Squirrel Girl's mom. And you're like, this is just to get me to buy this comic book you put Civil War on. I didn't, yeah. I mean, granted I was younger when I read most of that Nightfall stuff and I've dabbled uh, in it since, but. By the way, Squirrel Girl's Mom is a great comic. You should check that out. Uh, <laughs> it is it is surprisingly uh, touching and, and interesting. So, Talk about world building. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of world building. Um, you know, I I just want to say, like, I, I never try to pretend that I have these nerd credentials because I don't. I, I missed a huge chunk from, from being a child to... Um, when I was out here in LA, I started, I was 19. I moved out here and I, I had an agent and I was doing stand up and I was writing and, and I made my first feature when I was 24 and that's called NoHo. It's actually coming up on the 25th anniversary. I'm going to do a black and white version called NoHo Noir. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, it was, it was after clerks, we'd gone to New York and, um, they were looking for the next clerk. So we had meetings at new line and Miramax and, and October films. And, you know, you're 24 years old and you think, okay, this is it. This is going to happen now. And, you know, I, we, I sold, I optioned stuff, me and my writing partner, we, we optioned stuff and I've made some films and I kind of stayed in it, but it never quite goes the way you think it's going to go. And I know I got off uh, track here a little bit, but what I was trying to say is I don't try to pretend that I am this like uh, super nerd that actually knows all this stuff. So I've had to catch up. I've had to learn since we've had baby badass. I've had to go back and like re reread Watchmen and like start all over from like, you know, some of the, the, the best stuff that's out there and then kind of work my way in. And then I started buying a bunch of number ones until my wife put a stop to it. Um, <laughs> she's like, seems to be a lot of comics uh, coming in the mail. I was like, yeah, I just had to build up the collection a little bit, which is, you know, late, later in life, it's not the smartest thing to do, but it's just kind of fun to, <laughs> to have a, have a, a, a something that you can kind of uh, build on. It's well, good if you are ever looking for, if you're ever looking for recommendations, uh, you can always hit me or Matt up because we, we, we have a okay. pretty good knowledge of that. If you're ever like, what should I read next? I did this. I read this. What's next? Matt and I can definitely give you some. And we some usually good pointers. I, I like pat ourselves and each other on the back, but we complement each other pretty well. Like uh -huh. I think I might know a little bit more about certain comic books. You might know a little bit more about certain horror movies and certain action movies. But like we still have that uh, like a Venn diagram of of Matt and Aaron is is a sexy ass infinity <laughs> super nerd. Yeah, pretty big super nerd. That's good. That's good. <laughs> hey, so what's going on with Destroyer? Oh, so uh, Destroyer is our comic book with Steve Prince. Steve Prince is doing fucking he that kid. He just had his second baby a couple months ago while kicking ass on Destroyer, as well as his own book, Monster Matador. He just did some pretty big stuff. I'm not allowed. If, I don't know if I'm allowed to say what he did on Monster Matador, but he did this crazy awesome storyline. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, I'm pretty sure his website is monstermatador.com. Check that out. But uh, we're taking like a small hiatus. We have Destroyer's next voyage 
And I'll, I'll just put that word out there. And his next voyage is already plotted. And actually, most of it is already drawn. But we're giving it like a little bit of a hiatus while he uh, while Steve finishes up this big ass monster matador arc he's on. You know, his real job. <laughs> yeah, he's he not is. drawing some sexy ass redhead idiot. He is great, but he's super prolific, man. That guy. Oh, it's re- and it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like he came over the other night and was drawing something, and he's the speed in which he plots out a page, pencils the page, like well, does a layout, then does a pencil, then does inks. It's ridiculous, and he's like, yeah. yeah. And you're like, you you know, people on the show know we've you guys have heard Steve speak numerous times. They like talk so slow, and he's like, yeah. I'm trying to do more digital inking because it just takes so long to do it in person, you know, like, you know, physical inking. But he's like, dude, I just watched you draw and ink a page while we watched a movie. Like, holy shit, man. And he's just, he's so friggin' fast. He does so much and he makes it look effortless. Like I've never done a comic book before, but he's not a good person to learn from because it looks like, yeah, you could just do this shit. No big deal. And make a comic book in a week. Doesn't work that way. But you guys got to check out and you guys know, I'm pretty sure ryland worked a little bit on the next monster Man yeah i saw something that, that they've actually put something out uh, to tease it so it's, it looks yeah, kind of cool check it's that like stuff stories out. from a monster matador universe yeah it's really really fun it's a it's a great idea if you guys don't know monster matador we've talked about it before but real quick it's uh, a, a matador in the the post-apocalyptic future who fights giant giant monsters not not necessarily kaiju size but pretty big monsters and it's such a like baby but like baby badass it's such a fun ass concept that he thought about because monster matador that is a book that i would pick up if i walked by it in the store but i don't know if i would pick up 30 issues of it but when you start to read how steve kind of fleshes it out and the mm-hmm. stories and the arcs and the inside jokes and all this other stuff you can't not pick up the next issue it's the same right. thing as baby badass you guys really thought about what you wanted to say and the best way to say it so the novelty gets you to open that book but the story and the art and the writing is what keeps you going in it. Yeah, no, it's great. Something else that got put on my radar, uh, and and this this week I, I was able, well, I got to put something that I love on my wife's radar. Uh, did you guys, I know Matt and I saw this together, but Dave, did you see Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse? Mm. I did. What'd you think I, of it? I, I thought it was fantastic. And I thought, I remember seeing the trailer and thinking, is there something wrong with the, the projection? Like there's this... Uh. There's this 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 uh, pixelation or something going on behind it, and then I realized, oh, that's that's the style, and that Sony I think wants to actually trademark the, the process or whatever. So when I saw it in full, it just blew me away. I mean, it was really a comic book come to life with so much heart, and um, you know, they 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 had a lot of story to tell there, and yeah. they did it really beautifully. I loved it. I thought it was great. I think to me that was the best picture of the year. I mean, I know there were some other Oscars that said this movie or that movie, and this was nominated. And that and it was like, I'm glad that Spider Man won the best animated feature, but right. that was my favorite film of the year. It was pure cinema joy. And like me and Matt went and saw it together, and I wanted to high five him the whole time. I was right next to him, being <laughs> like, oh man, because here's what always happens: is like we'll go to a movie together, the lights will come up, I'll be like, awesome, and he'll be like, sucked, and I'll be like, what, or vice versa, so you know, one way or the other. So it's like, we're usually very much, so when he was like, yeah, it's pretty good. I was like, yes, awesome. But I got to show it to my wife and I was very nervous because she is not a nerd. She doesn't read comic books. For her, Spider-Man is like, yeah, okay. She knows I love the Spider-Man video game, but like we watched it and afterwards she's like, that was so cute. And I was like, not the word I would use, but hey, you know what? You were into it. I'll take it as a win. Thank you very much. So she enjoyed it and I was very happy that she was into it. And it's interesting because, you know, we talked about Punisher before and... 
I, I do believe that part of the reason I didn't care for Punisher, the TV show, the Netflix show, was because it was made in such a way that it had mass appeal. And Punisher as a character might not be the character to do if you are looking for mass appeal. Spider-Man, while automatically I think he has a, uh, he's easier to reach a, a more massive audience, I feel like that movie in particular, more so than any other in iteration that I can think of, he, it did a great job speaking to everybody because I feel like almost like Batman the Animated Series, if you're five years old and watch Spider-Verse, you're going to love it. If you're 50 years old, you're going to love it. If you love Spider-Man, like Spider-Man is a character that I know really well. I've read a lot of Spider-Man. He's one of my faves. He's one of the ones that means, his character means like, dude, uh, Aaron and I just talked with Zeb Wells the other night and we talked about Spider-Man and what he means to us as a hero. And he's a hero that like speaks to me. He means something to me. That movie did that justice. My dad, who hasn't read a comic book in 40 years, could go see that movie and enjoy it as much as I did, but for different reasons. And we're talking about people who don't give a shit. I think Amanda, my wife, or my mom could go and watch that movie and be like, that was an hour and a half that I was entertained. Like, they wouldn't say, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell my friends about it. Right. They they wouldn't. They wouldn't. My wife, I would say my wife would want to ask questions, but she wouldn't because she doesn't care. She'd be like, why is he? (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) <laughs> well, but, I mean, I think they accomplished something that's really hard to do. I mean, there's mass appeal. Like you said, the spectrum is someone saying that's cute or that was that's great. I liked it. Uh, and then there's people that uh, the hardcore fans that really appreciate what went into that as well. Yeah. I mean, um, I think it's uh, Lord and Miller. Uh, they, they did the same thing kind of with the, those Lego movies, which are fantastic. The Batman Lego movie, I was like awesome. in tears laughing. Like, yeah, uh, it's really hard to do, and to to do it in uh, in animation is something completely different. Like, I think the heart that was in Spider Verse is almost impossible to do live action, and then you're doing an anim. Maybe it's easier to do an animation these days. I don't know. Maybe because you're controlling, what, you know, the actors, and it's it's just easier to put in what you want. But the writing has to be there, yeah. and I thought the writing was really strong with that. I, I think we're about to hit a new animation boom where it's like you can have these cartoons and these movies that maybe aren't just kid fair. Like it, it, it's not just for Disney anymore because a lot of people can do like Disney was and Pixar were putting out the best, most complicated animation stories. But now I feel like. After watching like the Netflix series of Castlevania, you can do really complex adult storylines to see Spider-Man, even though that's not an adult thing. It's complex, pushing the envelope of a style stylistically what you can do and what you can expect. And I think that we're in a time where because computer animation is getting so like the Lion King reboot, that's a full 100 percent CGI movie. So it's like, I think we're getting to the point where CGI and real shooting the real thing are sort of meshing together so that we can do these awesome animated features. I hope we see more of it. Well, and I think uh, Lord and Miller said the same thing at, their, at the Oscars. They, they said, you know, to push those boundaries, that's what they try to do. And yeah. um, there's so many outlets now. That's that's what's exciting. And and even like to bring baby badass back in this, we're in, you know, we're in this, this process now of development where I'm like, we need to do something different. It just needs to look different. Um, there's so many things that kind of look the same. It doesn't have to be more expensive. It just has to be different. And yeah. I, I know like when Archer came out, I was like, wow, this is a different look. Yeah. Although it has a throwback style in some ways, like it, it's very unique, you know, when you're watching Archer, you know? And so the same thing with Spider-Verse, like this is its own look. Um, well, and I think and you can do that Archer, on smaller scales now, too. You can. Archer came out of trying to be cheaper. They were like, we we only have enough money to do a very 2D thing. And now that the show's become so popular, it's able to take that advancement and make it like South Park. Like, we're going to do the cheap. 
we're about to do it the cheapest way possible. But in those limitations, we came up with a style so unique that it's actually awesome. And then on top of that, now that Archer has has that style established, once they have more money to do more CGI, more 3D things, more badass things, it actually works in its favor of keeping that stylistic sort of interpretation of, of the show and that, that representation of the show because it makes it better to keep it that way. It looks awesome. And then all the different outlets, I mean, they're going to be they're going to be looking for the next thing. So that's just going to push the boundaries more and more. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, man, I, I can't wait to see what you're able to to make happen with your animation with Baby Badass. Why don't you let people know where they can keep up with you, Dave Schrader, where they can keep up with Baby Badass? Where, where's your links? Uh, so I'm on uh, Instagram and Twitter as Schraderopolis. Uh, that's also the handle for the Kickstarter. So my Kickstarter handle is Schraderopolis, S-C-H-R-A-D-E-R-O-P-O-L-I-S. I think I spelled it right. Um, <laughs> so uh, and then baby at the baby badass is is uh, the Twitter and Instagram um, baby You can find us there. Uh, so the Kickstarter will start on the 18th. And, um, yeah, we need help. So please check it out. And, and, uh, we got some really fun stuff. I think Dan Mendoza, who does zombie tramp is going to have a couple, uh, exclusive variant oh, nice. covers. We have a really cool cover by, uh, Tony Donnelly who did uh, Albert Einstein time Mason. Mm-hmm. And he did this amazing Steranko, uh, um, homage cover that looks uh, awesome. Like, so, and it's only for Kickstarter. So none of these will be, uh, in the, in the regular release. So please check it out. Either Schraderopolis or the baby badass. And David, cool. David, we're kind of hitting a really good season of cons right now. Are you going to be appearing at any conventions in the next couple months? I, you know, I, just as a fan, I'm going to be walking around. I think I'll okay. go to WonderCon and walk around. If I'm on any panels, you know, you can you can check on uh, Twitter, Instagram. Sometimes I do the panels that Ryland Grant does. But mm-hmm. uh, because we're not going to have the issue, I, I just didn't want to do that. I didn't want to go back to cons this year with the same stuff I had last year. I wanted to have something new. So later in the year, probably. Okay. Um, I think if we do anything uh, with the, the the show idea, I think that could be announced at San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, that'd but be cool. I Keep have, us posted. I, have no, <laughs> I will. But I have no idea at this point. Uh, the Kickstarter is a thing. I'm just trying to focus and getting this off the ground. And uh, that's March 18th. That's when the pre-launch starts for the Kickstarter for Baby Badass Returns. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Thanks for letting me pitch it, guys, and be a part of the show. We really appreciate it. And, like, just so you know, like, we, it's it's because you've done such a cool job, we, we usually don't do a lot of Kickstarter stuff for unproven material because we just don't know what we're promoting. But we definitely think that you're one of those guys who you've already put it out. You got your first issue. We think it's hysterical. So to our fans, guys, uh, like we said, we, 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 we don't like to throw things at you that we don't think is cool. So... Baby Badass, go check it out. Go check out his Kickstarter. Support independent comics. Go find the first volume of Baby Badass at uh, your local comic book shop. Find it on Amazon, Comixology. Go read that so you're ready for the Kickstarter. For You're ready for uh, Baby Badass Returns. Guys, you can keep up with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at LaunchpadPod and our website, LaunchpadPod.com. Thanks for everybody who's hitting us up about the Nightfall Full Moon series where Matt and I interviewed a bunch of Batman creators and con- uh, contributors about werewolf, letting us know what they think, letting us know about the werewolf movies they've watched. Brian Ivanhoe, you just watched The uh, the Howling for the first time. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, glad that's you're doing super, that. that's like, it's so like. I don't even know what to compare it to. That's like when your friend gets married. You're like, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> P- 
people checking out Ginger Snaps, um, Osborne to be Samurai. Thanks for hitting us up on Instagram. We really appreciate that. And uh, Leval Dead uh, over in Japan. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for being fans. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you guys in the next few weeks with more content. Until then, we're the Rocketeers. Dave, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Viva Launchpad Podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thanks, man. We're the Rocketeers, and we are out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.